Yes, Lord God, as we come now to hear your word, Lord, I pray that you will open up the eyes of our heart, Lord, and that you will speak to us, Lord, and that we will hear your voice, Lord God, and that we will know that you are holy, holy, holy. In your name, amen. What is it that makes family special? Last week, we looked at you know, what it means to be the family of God and, and how sometimes what that actually looks like is very different from what our own personal experience of, fa of family has been. And so when I ask, what is it that makes family special, I'm not necessarily asking you to reflect on your own personal experience of family because for some of us that's not been a great thing but what is it that makes family special in God's eyes the way God created it the way God desires it desires it to be here's, here's a few things that I've reflected on this week family love uh, is unique the way in which families love one another is unique. Families love warts and all. Families see you at your best and at your worst. Think about that. That applies to us together as a church family. We will see one another at our best and at our worst. And we're called to love one another in those moments. Family bond carries you in ways that others just can't. I want to share the story of a man uh, named Rick Hoyt and his dad, Dick. In 1977, Rick Hoyt, uh, who suffers from cerebral palsy, asked his father Dick if he could help him finish a five-mile running race. Then 36, just a spring chicken, young fella, Dick thought he wasn't a runner. Though he wasn't a runner, made his son's dream come true. And it set the stage for a lifetime of competing as a team. After their first race, Rick said, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. The pair from Holland, Massachusetts, set their eyes on the Ironman World Championships. And in May, uh, and in 1989, they made their first attempt at the legendary race. Now, I'm, I'm sure most of us have seen the Ironman competitions here in Australia. That's not what they're looking at. We've seen triathlons, and, and that wasn't what they were setting their sights on. You see, the Ironman triathlon starts out 
with a 3.8-kilometre swim. I look at a 100-metre swim and I think, that's probably enough for me. 3.8 kilometres. That's followed up straight away by a 180-kilometre bike ride. I know a number of people who've uh, in one day ridden 100 kilometres and then not walked for a week. And then that's followed up and finishes off with a 42-kilometer run, a marathon. That's, that's the championship that, that this pair set themselves. Dad, Dick, pulled Rick in a special boat through the swim. Rode with him on a seat on the front of his bicycle and pushed him in a special wheelchair to the finish line in 1989. A decade later, they were back to once again inspire the world with a finish at the Ironman World Championship. Through to March 2016, the Hoyts had competed in 1,130 endurance events, including 72 marathons, six Ironman triathlons, and 32 instances of the Boston Marathon. CerebralPalsy.org makes this comment about parenting when reflecting on the Hoyts. They say, after all, a parent's role in the best of situations is to turn negatives into positives, to remove barriers and make the impossible possible. Sometimes it's a superhuman effort one that takes determination, persistence, fortitude, and devotion. This is a great picture of family love. A love that bears with one another. It's a love that removes barriers, and deals with one another's problems together. Our limitations and our brokenness. This morning as we're continuing our Heart Matters series, I'm going to dig into what it means and what it looks like to bear one another's burdens. As family, as God's family, as we seek to live out Jesus' commandment to love one another, how do we bear one another? Bear one another's burdens. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to read uh, from verse 1. Galatians chapter 6. Let me encourage you, if you've got a Bible and you don't bring it, whether it be on your phone or uh, a hard copy, please bring your Bible. Uh, there's, there's something special that happens uh, when, when we open the paper, the pages, when you're able to, to scribble and highlight, it helps to reinforce the words of God in our lives. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens 
and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then... As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. In verse 1 here, we have this call to correct one another. But what, what is important here is, is that it's not simply what we should be doing, but also how we should go about doing it. Paul says, with gentleness. And then there is also this warning to keep watch on ourselves, lest we fall into temptation. When confronting, addressing, or uh, attending to shortcomings of someone else, their failures, their temptations, their brokenness, their sins, their errors, it's so easy for us to fall into uh, uh, the trap of pride to consider ourselves without fault, to minimize our own temptations, our own struggles, and the way we view ourselves. Even worse still, there is this temptation can even be to, to delight in the failures of others, to revel in their shortcomings, in their faults. Jesus warned against these attitudes in, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. Jesus gives us this instruction of not to judge. Judge not, lest you be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your, your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And in Matthew 5, we, we read the Beatitudes, a, a portrait of kingdom living. It's, it's a picture that Jesus paints for us about what life is like, what we can expect to be growing in as we dwell, as we seek, as we pursue God's ways. We, we see that there will be characters growing in our lives that will be evident in our words and our actions and our attitudes. Things like becoming peacemakers. Enduring persecution and, and indeed responding with gentleness. Paul 2 in Philippians chapter 2, 3 to 8 reminds us to be wary of becoming vain within ourselves by becoming proud of our accomplishments and, and how good we think we are. This is what Paul says about guarding 
our hearts and our minds from temptation, guarding our, our motives as we seek to pursue Christ, to pursue the righteousness that he has given us. In, in Philippians 2 verse 3, Paul writes, Do nothing, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the very form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You know, when we, when we want to understand how do we confront sin in a brother or sister? How do we deal with a brokenness? How do we bear with one another? How do we carry one another, support one another, love one another? I think Paul and Jesus are, are clear. We can only do that effectively when we prioritize spending time in the Word, examining our own hearts first. Because only then, when we see and recognize and know the place of our own brokenness before God, as David declared, search me, O God. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in your ways everlasting. Then, it is with compassion and gentleness that we are able to walk alongside one another. Then we can see that the goal is not to bring one another down, but to build one another up. It's not to, to find issues to bring condemnation upon one another, but to seek redemption and restoration for one another. Earlier in Galatians, Paul speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. It's kind of like Jesus' Beatitudes, painting a picture of what is it like? What should we see growing in our lives, in our words, in our attitudes as we follow Jesus, as we pursue Jesus, as we are continually sanctified, transformed into more and more into His likeness? We read that these, the fruit of the Spirit, which Paul says there is no law against these things, is love. Joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. It isn't like a buffet where you, you pick your favorite two or three. These are all the things, all the aspects that we should be desiring to grow in our lives and in our relationships. The important point at the beginning of this passage in chapter 6, here is that indeed, as the family of God and as brothers and sisters together, we bear with one another. To be patient with one another, to be 
more so to, to bear with one another's sins and temptations, our, our shortcomings, our failures. The goal is not to bring condemnation on one another, but to bring uh, about a, a redemption and a reconciliation and a transformation within our lives. So in verse 2, when Paul instructs us to bear one another's burdens, this is clearly in relation to our transgressions. Paul's instructions are indeed to hold one another accountable, but to do so in a way that is not hypocritical, in a way that first and foremostly is redemptive. Paul finishes this verse with the goal of this process to fulfill the law of Christ. Paul is building here on his quoting of Jesus in, in the middle of chapter 5. Paul quotes Jesus when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your strength. Without skipping a breath, he continued, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And this second aspect is what Paul drills into in chapter 5, and again that he refers to here, the fulfillment of the law of Christ is to love your neighbor as yourself. As the, the commandment that he gave the disciples at the Last Supper that we, we read earlier during communion in John chapter 15, verse 12. Love one another as I have loved you. We fulfill that commandment by bearing one another's burdens. That is, to embody Christ's redemptive love for one another. A love that is gentle, a love that is gracious, a love that is patient, a love that does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Paul continues in verse 3 and three to 5, presenting us with this tension that we find ourselves in. Together we bear one another's burdens. We confront our sin and temptation with gentleness. And the goal, with the goal being redemption, and that is held in the, this the, tension with the recognition that we are all responsible for our own burdens, our own load. Each one carries their own load. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But le let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, not in his neighbor. For each will have their own, to bear their own load. In other words, the priority for each of us is to first pursue Jesus in our own lives. To examine our own hearts, to pursue holiness in our own lives. And then to walk alongside one another to bear one another's burdens. How does this work? How do we carry our own load yet bear one another's burdens? I think it's a delicate nuance, but a significant one. The best way to understand it, I think, is to remember the story of the Hoyts. The way that Dick, as a father, carried his son. He did it with sacrifice. He did it with a, a servant heart. He did it not to achieve anything within his own goals, 
to bring any glory upon himself, but simply to, that, that his son would not feel bound by his condition, but would be set free to know the freedom of what it feels like to run, the freedom of what it feels like to float through the water, to glide through the water, the freedom to achieve something that on his own he could never do. You know, that's something that we find ourselves in, a place we find ourselves in. We are bound by our sin. We are crippled by our brokenness. And when we come to Jesus, we say, I can't. I need you. When I abide in you, it feels like my sin has no grip on me. Because it doesn't. In Christ, we are freed. In Christ together, when we are are burdened by our sin, the function of the body, of the family, is to bear with one another, to bear one another's burdens that, that in Christ we may be reminded that we have been redeemed, that in Christ we can be restored again. Finally, Paul finishes with this instruction, verses 6 to 10. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows of his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows from the Spirit will, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Following Jesus leaves, means living together in the family of God. It means growing in our faith, in, in our understanding of God's character, His nature, which is His righteousness, His love. It means that His Spirit is always finding something in our lives to challenge us. If we ever get to a point where we consider that we have no sin within us, we deceive ourselves. It is only by God's grace, it is only by the atonement in Christ Jesus that we are redeemed. And until that glorious day, when we are raised once again with Him, we are being continually transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit who convicts us of our sins, who reminds us of Christ's teachings and leads us in His ways. There is encouragement that we should bear witness, that we should share the good things that God is doing in our lives. A recognition that within the body of of Christ there are are those who teach and those who are are taught. And and so often we feel like we need to hold back for the sake of, of pride. We don't want someone to feel proud or arrogant. 
But in doing so, we rob God of the glory of all that He does. Let us not tire of acknowledging and testifying to the work that God is doing in our lives each and every day. In verse uh, 7 and 8, Paul seeks to uh, put away the confusion around our works and deeds. God will, will not be smeared by our selfish acts, our works of the flesh. We will reap the full consequences of those things. And indeed, when we sow of the Spirit and we, we work in the Spirit, God will be glorified in that. The encouragement then is that we not grow weary of doing good. And that even at times when it feels like the work that we're doing seems to be reaping no fruit, bearing no fruit, to stand true in due season. Those words are so important, in due season. Not when we want it, not when we expect it, but in God's timing and in God's ways, we will reap if we do not give up. This encouragement is very similar to Paul's encouragement uh, at the end of of, uh, Philippians 3. Not that I have already obtained all this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained, brothers, And sisters, join in imitating me and keeping your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So let us do good, not exclusively and only for one another, but especially for one another. Let us love one another as Christ has loved us. Let us bear one another's burdens as together we run the race to press on towards the goal for the prize that Christ has called us to, the proclamation, the witness of the good news that is Christ Jesus, that is Christ crucified. What good news. As we run the race together, let us bear together one another's burdens, encouraging one another to pursue the righteousness that Christ has given us through the cross. That through our lives and through our love, the world might see and know Jesus, the one we follow, the one we worship, the one we live for. This is what it means to bear one another's burdens. It means to run the race together. 
each of us desiring and prioritizing in our own lives to grow more and more like Christ, each one of us running alongside one another, encouraging one another, bearing with one another, loving one another, that together we reflect the glory and the righteousness and the goodness and the love of God. And by this, all the world will know that we are his disciples. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you glory and praise. But by your grace, we are sinners alone. You have redeemed us. You've atoned for our sins. And our prayer, Lord, is that you would search our hearts. See if there is any offensive way in us and lead us in your ways everlasting. Lord, would you cultivate within our family here that love for one another. Lord, a love that does not seek out wrongdoing, that does not rejoice in failures and stumbling, but that desires redemption and restoration, that deeply desires your holiness and your love. Lord, help us to love one another, to bear one another's burdens, to run the race that you have set for us that we may bear your glory, behold your witness, and testify to your love. Amen.